When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? So we got our special guest once again, Marcellus Wiley, former NFL All-Pro player, former broadcaster, author of Never Shut Up, and founder and CEO of ProjectTransition.org. Marcellus, welcome back to the show. Man, you're giving me my eulogy right now. You said former <laughs> broadcaster. What am I doing now? Just talking? Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. I hey, my it. mistake. Mar- Marcel, he always be getting on me before we go live with these intros, man. I always mess it up. I'm not used to it. But um, <laughs> it, it. It, it's, it's very good to have you back on the show. The reception is amazing. People love the energy, uh, the, the chemistry. We're having a great time. So we're just yeah. like, man, let's just do it as much as we can and uh, have as much fun as, as possible. There it is. So today, man, I got a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. Marcelo oh, here you go. Me, now, I, now we come back one time and then we got a lot to talk about. Let's do it. He, 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 he said he said he don't want to play no games today, so I'm ready for you. So I got to start off with the one. We actually just dropped a video on our channel about it. Now, as you remember, uh, LeBron recently posted the hourglass emoji. Good. Then all of a sudden we start hearing about, you know, LeBron may leave L.A. He may want to leave and Brian Windhorst and Stephen A. Smith and all these people are talking about it. Then all of a sudden we start hearing the Knicks come up, the Knicks come up, the Knicks come up. And then LeBron goes to, to play in the Garden on Saturday. He has a great game. At the end of the game, he has the Knicks towel over on top of his shoulders. And then Bleacher Report posts a picture of him in a Knicks jersey. I don't know if you've seen this, but he mm. then goes under the picture and posts an emoji of the Statue of Liberty and the and the king crown. So my question to you is, what do you think LeBron is trying to say? I think LeBron is flexing right now. Obviously, LeBron knows he has tremendous leverage, but not all the leverage. That's why he has to go to these types of antics mm. and tactics. Think about it. If you can fully flex Without doing anything, what did Lil Wayne say? Real G's move in silence like lasagna, right? You wouldn't have to say a word. You wouldn't have to leave breadcrumbs to come find me and help me or let me play for your organization. So as much as this is a sign of strength, it's a sign of weakness. Uh, Look, LeBron James, you got a player option next week. um, Next year is $51 million. Uh, You can like any coach you want. LeBron has a certain type of coach that he wants for the Lakers right now. And I'm sure he wants certain moves to occur but the lakers they've been around the block they they've seen this movie before they've won championship after championships they don't always bow down to even that great player so maybe lebron is facing some headwind some friction so now he has to go to these type of antics to get what he wants okay my question my question to you is though 
when LeBron got to the Lakers, at, you know, I think a year after Kobe had retired, um, obviously it was not working. It didn't make the playoffs that year. He got injured. Then it became clear that LeBron needed talent. They went out there and got rid of their youth, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, and all of these guys. They brought in uh, uh, Anthony Davis. They immediately got better. Time went on. They started giving up draft picks to get more stars and all of that, all, all those stuff. They end up winning the championship in the 2020 bubble. So the Lakers have invested a lot into LeBron, his team, his camp, and everything and what he wants to do. How do you think the Lakers should feel right now seeing LeBron do all of this? Do you think that they should feel like, man, you should be more loyal to us or it's fair game? Uh, man, I think it's more fair game than anything. You don't want to lose LeBron because he sells tickets. Uh, LeBron is just the energy in himself where no matter what, if he's in the building, uh, all eyes on LeBron. And the Lakers know that from a business perspective and from a basketball perspective. You can still win a championship with the type of production you're getting from LeBron. The problem is the other assets don't add up to the pieces necessary for them to be true contenders. And plus, other teams have been loading up. Look at what Denver looks like. Look at what Phoenix looks like. Look at what right. Boston looks like. You know, look at Minnesota right now this year. Uh, you look at Milwaukee. Like, it's a flawed model to even design your team every year with real understanding that you're going to win a championship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't. You just can't. Now, the Lakers... They have fooled themselves and actually have found themselves in that position before. But now this is not it. And they know that. So therefore, they're letting go some of the expectations with LeBron. That's why LeBron is starting to flex like, yo, y'all not going to do what I need to go get this championship? And I think behind closed doors, some of them are like, LeBron, we can't do anything to win a championship with this team as it is. And we can't make enough moves to compete against the other teams. So we're going to throw away everything in the pursuit of it this year? Or are we going to be smart, manage our assets, and try to go strike at a different time? It's seasonal for most teams to win a championship. The Lakers not used to being in this position, but they are right now. So we know that he wants to win. That's been his thing. He wants to win. And now he's looking at the Knicks. The Knicks are one of the top four seeds in the Eastern Conference at the number four seed right now as we currently speak after their loss to the Lakers. But they had won, they have won nine out of their last 10 games. So the Knicks have been playing very well. As somebody that grew up in New York, I know Knicks fans are excited. How do you think the Knicks should feel given everything that they got going with Jalen Brunson, the energy, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson both made the all-star team. If you're the Knicks, do you want to interfere with what you got going on to bring on LeBron James? Yeah, that's tough if you're the Knicks because you feel like, look, we've been in this kitchen cooking this up, you know, with the flour, with the eggs. We baked this cake, right? Exactly. And then, okay, now you want to be the icing or the cherry on top, but, man, you ain't put in on this. You wasn't with us when we were shooting in the gym, right? Exactly. And then all of a sudden you're going to show up <laughs> exactly. and then get all the attention, get all the praise when it goes well, and then we're going to get all the blame for even making the move if it goes wrong, right? Exactly. And that's how it usually lands with LeBron, and LeBron knows that. But, hey, who's going to say no to the pretty girl? Like, everybody talks about, ah, oh, she thinks she saw that. She saw stuck up. Uh, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. And then soon LeBron say, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, LeBron. You know, next thing you know, you're in love with LeBron. So I just think that the Knicks know that they're, right now, they got the gas. And if they get that flame, if they get LeBron James – 
just in business perspective alone, right? let alone on the court. Like LeBron integrates very well everywhere. So right. I think LeBron would find a way to do it if he had that type of defense, that type of energy, and those, those pieces that they have. I think they could make some noise. I just heard you mention, you just spoke about defense, and I'm glad you brought that up. Put yourself in the position of James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks. You know you're going to be selling tickets whether the Knicks are good or bad, for whatever reason, the Garden is always packed. If you're James Dolan and you look at everything that comes with LeBron and he's 39, do you still want to go after him? Oh, absolutely. Uh, think about oh, it. Wow. Um, don't cap yourself now. Uh, I don't know what you've sold in your life before, Charles, but uh, let's say you had 10 tickets to sell and you sold all 10. What's the first thing you think about? Man, I should have charged more. <laughs> right? And so if you think about it, if you're James Dolan, yeah, I'm selling all these tickets. Everybody comes to MSG. Damn, if LeBron showed up, I could sell them for more. And that's what's <laughs> happening. The Super Bowl's this week, and it literally is going to be the most expensive Super Bowl ever because they're always sold out. But how much this mm. one's going to take mm. it over the top? I, see. I think the LeBron is worth it, man. Like, LeBron, if you can get your hands on the LeBron machine, which is, in terms of endorsements and salary, number one I just saw on the Forbes list for all yep. athletes. The dude just commands attention, and he's going to command that compensation. He deserves it because he brings it every single time. He's 40 years old, still balling out of control. Um, James Dolan's gotten used to not winning at all, so let's not go out there and map a championship mindset on every single owner. Um, he's made his money. He's also lost some opportunities. Steve Ballmer came in big bank, take little bank, took mm -hmm. the form from him, et cetera. So I just think mm -hmm. this is an owner, James Dolan, who's had his issues, will love some of that spotlight and a chance to really contend because LeBron in that mix with that defense, with Tom Thibodeau as a great coach, they could do something. Okay, so that seems like, okay, so you, you, you will pull the trigger on that trade. Now I want to sw uh, switch gears to the team across the hallway in the Los Angeles Clippers. Everybody knows. You and I both support the Clippers. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this because I wanted to ask you about it before, and then I'll get into the, the Clippers and a whole bunch of questions I have about that. Um, Gilbert Arenas was recently on uh, Nightcap with uh, Shannon Sharp. He also went to Paul George's show. I don't know if you know Paul George, but I, I think I know you know Gilbert Arenas. Yep. So mm -hmm. he went on there, and the Clippers seem to be the team that everybody poo-poos on and makes fun of. And he essentially called the Clippers, the hoes of the NBA, right? My, <laughs> yeah, my, my question to you is, why do you think Gil feels that way to feel like, okay, you know what, man, this team, this team is the hoes of the NBA when they have the richest owner in sports, they've been playing well for years and still felt the need to say, what does he know about the Clippers that we don't know? I don't think he knows anything about the Clippers other than the obvious. They haven't won a championship, so you can say whatever you want about them in this world of you're a champion or a bust. And I think that's what a lot of players are doing. And we talked about this, how former players are now buying into what the media has told us for decades, right? So mm. this whole narrative of, like, you got to win championships or else – it really wasn't at the beginning and the origins of sports in terms of greatness, right? You didn't have mm. to do that. And then when it started to insert itself, uh, it wasn't even uniform. Like, if that's the case, 
Bill Russell's the best player ever and shut up. Everybody right. shut up. And we Lever don't rings. shut up. We keep talking because we know we're just talking out of both sides of our mouth. It's not just championships. It's not just how many rings. There's much more to it. Um, Gilbert, look, he's blown up. He's blowing up. He's big time now. And, you know, some of those habits you acquire and some of them you got to break. I love the fact that when he said that, everybody looked at him like dog. Like, what, what are you, are you doing right like, now? What, what, what <laughs> like, what's really going on? Like, have you really just turned in your player's card to just say, they're the hoes? Like, this is what has happened to our media. You got to be so provocative. You got to be so extra. No sentence can end with a period anymore. It got to be an exclamation mm. point or you didn't say shit. And I'm just mm, looking at people mm, like, dog, mm, Gilbert, mm, mm. what are you talking about? And then it's funny because half his homeboys play for the Clippers. And so it's like, what you going to mm. call them hoes too? Like everybody <laughs> is in this warped reality of putting extra season salt on everything just to get response instead of just calling it like it is Clippers going to be great when they get great players with great coaching because they got great ownership like every other team Charles you remember when Chicago couldn't lose with Michael Jordan yep. and Phil Jackson yep. and Scotty yep. Pippen yeah 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 yep. now yep. Chicago can't win no because they ain't got the same damn right. players that's a, that's a this is point. not that that's deep a good point that's a good they point. got the players now with the Clippers they gonna win probably if they don't then they underachieve but this whole championship of bust missed me with that yeah, it, it okay for me. It's something that I, I want to piggyback on what you just said about the 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 media, and then we'll get back to to Gil and the, the Clippers. You said that this game is becoming so disgusting. It, from my point of view, I I don't know what sports media is turning into these days. It seems like you can say anything, uh, and be as ratchet as you want to be, be as disrespectful as you want to be. And that's the thing that drives views these days. Some of the stuff that people talk about on their platforms, I'm like, I'm like, and how they say it, I'm like, this is where we are at. And to me, man, it's just, it's no, it's so surprising to see how watered down it's becoming. Like, it seems like the the thought process of it is like, okay, let's just cut on the mic and say whatever the hell comes to our mind, however we want. Where do you see this independent media thing going when you have Gilbert Arenas calling former NBA playing call, player calling the Clippers the holes and like for clicks? Like, where do you think this is going? Yeah, and you know, it, it is shocking, um, but it shouldn't be surprising at all because if you ever go to a game, you always hear the misfits, you know? Now they just got platforms, you know? And I think what's shocking to me is that people who have resumes, credible players, agents, zero? You done bought in, you done caught, caught the smoke, and now you can't breathe unless you say what Skip and them types say. Like, dog, they say it like that because they couldn't do it like you. They couldn't do it like right. that, so they say right. it like that. And that's right. everyone in the arena. So when I go to games, I hear crazy stuff. I mean, insane stuff. Westbrook, you suck. Oh, Paul George, you couldn't do anything. We should have traded you back instead of SGA. And like, mm -hmm. just like, okay. And then, you know, obviously they are safe in the crowd. So they say that craziness. But then when someone on the court not only agrees, but actually says it unprovoked, it's like, dog, what kind of sauce are you on right now? Yeah, so it's, it's as hot. I said before, man, look, the people who 
are the biggest in our industry have poisoned the industry in this way. They were able to say whatever they wanted to say and hide behind the guise of, hey, I'm just doing my job. Hey, this is what I'm up here to do. Hey, I could just criticize anybody because that's my job. Well, Charles, me, others, this is our job. We're going to criticize what the hell you can criticize him, too. Exactly. And if Gilbert wants to stand on that side, which I know Gilbert, he's a cool dude. That's the homie. He ain't really about that. He just knows that that's what the rewards are. The rewards are to be Stephen A., to be Skip, to talk like that, you get some love. He could get love just being Agent Zero popping off, but he wants to do it the other way. Yeah, me, me and him have kind of had, not a, not a back and forth, but we've kind of gone back and forth in a friendly way over sports. And I told Gil... We've uh, exchanged messages on Instagram. I said, I, I refuse to believe that you believe what you're saying. The, the, the vast majority. I refuse to believe that these positions that you take, especially how you take them. I'm like, I, 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 I don't believe that you, you these things you're saying, like you really, really mean. It just seems like you're saying this maybe uh, to pander to people and all of that. Speaking of the way they cover sports. Uh, but I want to go back uh, back to the Clippers. We were just talking about the Clippers. I was recently watching a segment before we started our show today on Undisputed. And I actually put up a post on the channel, on our channel community section, maybe two hours ago, where I was saying that I think Kawhi Leonard should be in the conversation for MVP. Not that he should be the MVP, just to be in the conversation. Well, they were talking about this today with uh, uh, Richard Sherman, Keyshawn Johnson, and, and Skip Bayless. Keyshawn was like, yes, I think Kawhi should be in a conversation. Uh, uh, Skip Bayless was like, yes, I think he should be in a, in a conversation. But when it got to Richard, he was like, no, nah, man, I mean, he ain't got the numbers. And blah, 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 blah. What is this thing with hating on Kawhi Leonard? I, I understand if he wasn't playing, but he's playing now. Why do people like hating so much on this dude? Um, well, a couple of things that play when you talk about that. Like when they have their production meeting, this happens a lot. All right, should Kawhi be considered an MVP? Skip's like, yeah. Keyshawn's like, yeah. Richard's like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay, let's not talk about that because we're just going to go ring around the rosy. Then, then, then Richard probably says, well, you know, I could be on the fence on that one. I could go both ways on that one. I've been guilty of saying that too. Like, I'm not saying it with conviction. I'm just saying, yeah, obviously. And then they got something there. So they need someone typically to naturally disagree. Now, what we're seeing is a lot of these natural disagreements are actually contrived because you really voted the other way, but just for the spirit of entertainment, you start to say, let me argue my own point. And that's what happens. So you probably saw just a live and in color person just arguing against themselves. And that's why you'd be like, what? What are you talking about? And it's the same thing with Agent Zero. He doesn't believe half the stuff he's saying I right now. I don't think. It. Not the stuff that I keep seeing, these big headline ones. He don't no, believe that. No. But to be provocative now, this is what they're all doing. To be provocative now, you got to say something that sounds like it's right, but then you know it could be proven wrong. Because that battle, you know how it goes. Charles, you watching, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. wait a minute. And as soon as that happens, you're interested. You're engaged. And then all they need for you to do is respond or react to it, which we're all guilty of, and then they got us. And then you watch their views go up while we over there arguing because this sounds crazy. And they like, yeah, I know it's crazy, fool. That's why I said it, even though oh. it sounded like it was right. Man, that's a, that's a, I, I don't know. I just can't, well, 
it's wicked. It's wicked. Yeah, to I get it, to bro. Each, it's wicked. To, to each his own. As as someone that's from LA and LA native, I gotta ask this question. I've only been to LA one time in my life. I couldn't believe that that place was real with the weather. And I'm like, nah, I get it. I get it. Now I see why everybody <laughs> likes this place. But yeah. I know the Lakers. I mean, LA is a Lakers town. I get that. But the Clippers, although the Lakers are a bigger draw in terms of the name, the Clippers are still in that market. Why is it that the media doesn't cover the Clippers as much as the Lakers, especially when the Clippers are doing good and they're in this huge market? Why is it that for whatever reason, the Clippers, even though they've just won 25 out of the last 30, they seem to be an afterthought? Yeah, I think it's an old money versus new money conversation, if you know what that looks like in terms of, look, if you come from money, you're going to be a whole different dude than if you just got your own money, right? Because mm -hmm. if you got your own money, the first thing you got to do is take care of everybody else before you, right? And mm -hmm. then you got to save enough to go forward with. When you got old money, you just sit there and let it draw interest and you're able to just relax and everybody comes to you because they know you got money. The Lakers built this thing from the late 70s, the 80s, Showtime and all that. Not only do they have that type of equity in Los Angeles and globally because they were so successful, but so many people wanted to be around the Lakers because that was the first entertaining franchise that was winning. Like most of the time, back in the days, if you were living the life, like Dr. Jerry Buss, respect, rest in peace, you were living the life, you had cheerleaders, you had the forum club, people, magic was out all night and still balling all day. Like when you did it that way, usually you weren't successful. This was the first time the whole mm. sports world was in on this team is winning and they out there winning. Like they are mm. doing it different. So every reporter, every kid, everybody just knew about this brand. And now you bring the Clippers into it. You got Steve Ballmer, all this money and the team is doing well, but have they won? No, they haven't won at all. So some people are like, ah, and two, have they done something new? Have they improved on what the Lakers have done? Because the mm -hmm. Lakers captivated you, not just one, but then after the game, you spent another five hours at the forum trying to get in the forum club. It was a whole different animal. So media relationships go back 20, 30 years. The investment in this community way earlier in terms of winning than the Clippers. And more importantly, it was just fresh and people won't mm -hmm. let that go. And until the Clippers win one and then show how they go act when they win, I think it's always going to be a Lakers town in droves. Now, this is interesting that you're saying this. You're from L.A. Kawhi Leonard is from California. Mm -hmm. Given all of what you know, and people that live there, I'm sure know, know it better than most of us out here. With Kawhi knowing this, what the Lakers are about, the brand and everything, what do you think led Kawhi Leonard in the summer of 2019 to decide, you know what, I know everything that the Lakers stand for, but I want to go to the Clippers. What do you think he saw in the Clippers and said, and also, what do you think a championship for Kawhi Leonard, a finals MVP for Kawhi Leonard with, uh, with the Clippers, what do you think that could do for his legacy, given that the Clippers have never won a championship before? Yeah, I think there's just certain personality types that want to go somewhere and really be the reason and be the first. Like, uh, this is how I got to Columbia, really. I had all these other scholarship opportunities, and then my coach recruited me at Columbia and simply said, 
while we were sitting there, skyline of New York City behind me, Empire State Building top floor in a conference room. He said, Marcellus, do you want to go somewhere and carry the torch or do you want to come Columbia, come to Columbia and light the torch? And as soon as he said that, I start thinking like, he ain't lying. Like, you mm. can go to a lot of schools and win the next championship. You could go to the Lakers and win the next championship. Here's number 18, right? Or right. you could go to the Clippers and be number one. The money spins the same. And that's what's so funny about it. Andrew Bynum famously had that, that, that sound bite where he said, they could trade me. I don't care. There's a bank in every city. So some guys are just like, look, as long as I got the opportunity to the ball and they're going to pay me, what else is there to it? Oh, I'm going to go wow. to Chicago because Michael Jordan played wow, there. And then wow. your ass ain't going to never win the championship because Chicago <laughs> is far from that, et cetera, et cetera. So right. I think Kawhi, who goes to the beat of his own drum, drafted the San Antonio, chose to go to Toronto. He went there and lit that torch, yep. left there. Now he's trying to light the Clippers torch. Just that simple. So now I want to move on to something else, though, that's been irking me. And I'm just going to go off on this guy because I think he's the biggest time waster in the entire NBA. I don't know how you feel about him. Uh -oh. I'm talking about that damn Ben Simmons. Ben mm. Simmons mm. Mm. has wasted all of his talent <laughs> since he came into the NBA. He was being compared to LeBron James when this dude came into the NBA. LeBron James. Mm -hmm. Now the guy is barely averaging six points a game. So what happens? He goes back to Philly. He comes off the bench. They start booing him. <laughs> Marcellus, this guy finished the game. Get this. With zero points in 18 minutes or, or, or 15 minutes. And at the end of the game, they asked Ben Simmons, why do you think the Philly fans were booing you? And Ben Simmons says, oh, man, I can't really explain it, man. A bunch of grown men uh, get, getting angry at me. I just think it's ridiculous. Mm. What do you think about Ben Simmons? And where he is in his career. And what do you think about a statement like that from Ben Simmons talking about Philadelphia 76ers fans? Yeah, you know what? I'm different, man. You got to separate church and state. You got to separate ball from life. Um, and I know when we're talking about Ben Simmons, we are talking about the baller or lack thereof. Um, lack we're thereof. looking at him like, dog, what happened to you? Uh, and then there's all these question marks. Oh, he never was really into ball. Ball just came easy to him. So he was just a tall kid who could dribble, which is a lie. Like you can't be great at sports on any level without putting in work. So we need to stop with that misnomer. There was a time where Ben Simmons put in work. Maybe not as much work as was necessary. Maybe not as much work as his next uh, teammate or the opponents. It caught up to him. But he put in some work to become Ben Simmons. Now, yeah. he ain't putting in enough work. Now, for what reasons? He tried to say mental health. He tried to say physical health. Uh, spiritual health, probably, if he could get there. Uh, the point is, he ain't into it. Okay. Uh, all right. So now, he's in preservation mode now. He's like, look, I'm probably going to suck at basketball, whether it's because of my physical ailments or because I'm just not into it or I'm into other parts of it, how it looks, what it does for me, all those kind of things. But in his preservation mode, he's really trying to toe the line and he's going to end up blurring it, which is where people are now. He's mm. trying to just say, Law, dog, let me live. And people are like, nah, not when you're still supposed to be a baller. We ain't letting you live. Now, if his ass retire, 
then we'll forget about you tomorrow. And that's where he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to be forgotten. He likes all that comes from it. As my coach used to say, never come to practice on a red carpet. Ben Simmons has been coming to practice on a red carpet for a long time. And now mm -hmm. he doesn't want to walk on anything else but that red carpet. But we like, dog, action. Show us something. Right. <laughs> he ain't doing nothing. And that's the problem. Marce Marcellus, he's earning $35 million this year. The mm. dude mm. is shooting 0%, Marcellus, from three. 26% from the free throw line. Yeah. Averaging six points. How do you explain this and then talk about, I don't know why these dudes is mad at me, these grown men? How do we explain this? Well, you know what's funny? Let's be real now. now, and Let's be real now. Let's be real. We live in these like metaverses now when it comes to pro sports because we all know, I hope we all know, that every single dude in the NBA will wax your ass whoever you are at home or in the stands. I'm just hoping y'all know that. Like, you are number 451. I don't care how you run your neighborhood and right, how you right, go to the right, rocker. Right. You're 451. I played right. with Brian Scalabrini in a celeb tournament one time. We were down like 11 at half. And, there, and then he okay. trying to draw up some plays and talk to us. It's like, this is what we need to do. And I was like, dog, won't you just shoot every time? We'll win. And he was like, no, no. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> so he went out there and went white mamba. We won by 20. <laughs> it's like, he didn't miss. He made every, and this is Brian Scalabrini, who was no all-star, but was right, right. in the NBA. So let's not get it twisted. He is actually right. Like, the hell are y'all talking about? I could beat all of y'all, but that ain't what we judging you by, bro. We right, want you you're to not beat playing us, not us. Right, exactly. Right? So, <laughs> exactly. but be real, Charles. If four fifty one came to you, woofing the competitor in you, be like, wait a minute, dog. Won't you get uh, LeBron to say that? Won't you get some of these other pl players and peers to say that? But for you to woof at me like that. He got a little bit of a point, even though it ain't the way we do business in terms of how we look at our athletes. Come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're going to segue into another point. Another, okay. another, another question. Kobe. Before Kobe passed away, Kobe was saying Ben Simmons is going to regret if he doesn't maximize his opportunity now that yeah. he's in the NBA. That's what Kobe yeah. was saying. Because yeah. Kobe was once a young, raw talent that was not developed, but he had to drive to develop as a player. And it's one of the reasons I got Kobe in my top three. I got to ask you, I, I must ask you, top three. what turned you into a Kobe Bryant hater? <laughs> oh, Charles, you've been reading them comments or it finally caught up to me. <laughs> first of all, first of all, before I even tell you what's behind me being a Kobe hater, Top three for I love when someone says top oh, three, God. that means he's three. Who's one and two? He ain't one or two because you would have said higher. And people see, I know all the tricks, Charles. You can't play with me. So, who's one and two? Michael Jordan, okay, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Oh, you went safe. Okay, you I, thought look, I, was I can't say argue one and two. You thought I was gonna say LeBron three, James. My top three is Michael uh, LeBron's first, then Michael Jordan, then Kareem. So, look, we can get into that argument, too. But first, let me explain my Kobe haterism, okay, which is the a Kobe lie. Thing. Yeah, finish the Kobe Okay, thing. I give it to you like this. I worked at ESPN. We were doing radio. I was there during the Lakers' dark days. 
I'm talking about okay. Kobe Achilles. I'm talking about Kobe's shoulder. I'm talking about Kobe with not that many good teammates. I'm talking about bad Laker teams. What, they win like 30-some games a couple times? Like, really right. bad. So, you know me. I'm going to tell the truth regardless. Now, I'm working on a Laker station. So, they feeding us Laker information for four hours. We just got to talk Lakers. Max Kellerman mm -hmm. and I. And Max... Loved the Lakers because he's a New Yorker and then the Knicks. And he was like, well, I'm going to adopt the Lakers because that's just the same level. Me, I'm a Clippers fan. And I'm sitting there like, right. one, I love the Clippers. And two, the Lakers are sorry? Oh, I'm going in. So I used to go in, but uh -huh. I would never lie. I just was saying something that nobody else was saying. I was just covering the team like I wasn't getting paid to cover them like the station was. Lakers sponsor the, the show. So I'm like, well, sorry, money wasted. I'm about to tell y'all, y'all suck. And so <laughs> they did. It wasn't bad. So here's the best part. So Kobe used to come on all the time because we had the Lakers. So they would give us all the players. And when we have Kobe, we have these long hour, two hour interviews with Kobe Bryant. And oh, then wow. Kobe and I were friendly, cool. And then it's so funny. Kobe used to always tell me, he's like, Wiley, I like you a lot. You know why? Because you're the only one that tell me how I really play. You're the only one that would say, hey, my shit wow. do stink too. So here's the funniest wow. thing. He knew when he wasn't doing well, and he would laugh at everyone else who was still kissing his butt, even though he knew he wasn't doing well. Kobe was too real for even the fakers. So when people used to give him all that love and stuff, he was like, man, I wasn't even that good. So Kobe and I used to laugh at it. Max and him were really cool. Like, they used to text each wow. other and talk to each other all the time. But I wasn't a Kobe hater. I just wasn't a Kobe glower like everyone else when Kobe wasn't mm. glowing. And then he even liked it. Mm. So if he was cool with it, I don't give a damn what a fan says. Forget those comments, Charles. Don't be coming at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me, I didn't know, I didn't know you knew Kobe uh, to that level. Yeah. Do you have any interest? Because Kobe, uh, uh, Kobe was one of the only two people I ever wanted to meet. Kobe mm. was one of them. And when he passed away, I was like, well, Oof. ain't nobody else I'm going to meet then. I mean, Kobe's gone. So I was like, do you have any, first of all, what was Kobe Bryant like in person? And do you have any interesting Kobe stories you could share? Yeah. I mean, look, I think a lot of people were able to see Kobe evolve in terms of what type of person he was. Uh, I met Kobe when he was a rookie. Um, and he was wow. in L.A. I remember meeting him at Cedric Sabalos' wow. big mansion party, right? Now, I'm talking about early, mid-90s, late 90s. Cedric Sabalos wow. used to throw the biggest, baddest, little like death row records parties. Like, it just was massive. Wow. Taking the, You had to take a shuttle and then take a flight and then another shuttle just to get into the damn front door, right? It was just silly. And so I'm there, and I'm in the league. I think this is like his first, second year. And I'm in the league, and it's Kobe Bryant. So we getting introduced. I'm L.A. local. He played for the Lakers. He big time. I'm, I'm just – I made it. So we all just chilling. And I remember Kobe wasn't feeling that party. Like, Kobe was in a whole different world in terms of looking around. Like, it just looked like rapper video one-on-one, -on -one, right? And I, I knew Kobe wasn't feeling that. So Kobe had a little more – uh, a little more sophistication to his style than what we were doing. We were just acting up donkeys. And so Kobe, I remember Kobe said, yeah, I don't know how many more of these parties I'm going to hit. I was like, yep, I ain't see Kobe on the circuit no more. 
no more. He went to Orange County and did his dizzle. So I was laughing at that. Um, who was Kobe? He evolved. Then he got from there, uh, the Colorado uh, scandal and all of that. He got dark. You know, he had to go into Black Mamba mode. And he got that name, actually. I don't know if he knew it, but it came from DeAnthony Thomas, a local legend out here, went to Crenshaw High School, who Snoop Dogg mm. called Black Mamba. Then all of a sudden, Kobe takes it, and Big Bank takes Little Bank. Big name takes Little Name. So DeAnthony Thomas, who ended up going to Oregon and played in the NFL, uh, kind of lost his nickname to Kobe Bryant. You fast mm. forward, so it's Black Mamba now. It's Dark Mamba, everything maniacal, right? And you're looking at Kobe like, I never was fooled, even though I knew it was driving him. I was like, Kobe a good dude. Kobe came out here with an Afro dating Brandy eating McDonald's. I was like, Kobe ain't no damn killer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But take the killer mantra, take the killer persona. And he <clears> ran <throat> with it, right? <clears throat> My teammates on the sidelines smiling. What they smiling about? We only tied in this game. You know, he used to do all that stuff. I used to laugh. And then he turned the corner again. Have you noticed this? When he was retiring and at the end, girl dad right and yeah he became so friendly you're right you know why he became so friendly because he finally let go of that fake persona that he didn't want to wear but he had to protect himself after colorado he had look every whatever happened there and i got stories about that but whatever happened there it went at his reputation right and so mm -hmm. to just protect himself he put his armor on and that wasn't who kobe really was to the point that when it was over Kobe, the real Kobe, came out. Girl dad, the real Kobe came out. Nice to the fans. I saw Kobe at games. I was like, what you doing? He's signing shoes that fans were handing to him when he was on the sideline hurt or not in the game. Kobe would have never did that back in the Black Mamba days. So in terms of off the court, look, he was a superstar. It was crazy. Like, it's weird when you hanging with him, you ain't really hanging with him. You hanging with him. And everybody that notices that's Kobe, which is like thousands of people. He gets mobbed everywhere he goes. It was crazy. But he was a real sincere, genuine, sophisticated, intelligent dude. Like direct, um, really like well-rounded. Like, like I think a lot of people got to see that. But what got mixed up in the signal was that Black Mamba time where he just locked in like that pit bull. But then he became soft-hearted, light-hearted, right? Mm. So the guy who wrote books and children's books and right. the guy who knew all those languages and the guy who was just like chill. Um, every time we hung, every time we got to connect, man, it was just like you were really with a well-oiled, mature machine who just loved life and didn't like BS. That's why I wasn't a Kobe hater because he knew I wasn't BSing. Wow, wow. That's a... That's a beautiful story. I got to ask, um, just before we leave this topic, when it got bad between Shaq and Kobe and they ultimately um, decided to go their separate ways and Kobe said, no, I want to run the team. Shaq has always said that it was all calculated. They were really friendly. Um, you know, they were just pushing his buttons on the, on, the, on the basketball court. It was never like that. I've heard other people say, no, these two gentlemen had some issues. How was it towards the end of Shaq and Kobe's run in L.A., if you know anything about it during that period, if you if you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, the toughest thing about it was uh, there was enough room in that room for them both to coexist. They won 
back-to-back-to-back championships. And it's funny you bring all this up, all this Laker talk. I was just at the Lakers practice facility on Saturday. Uh, We took our team. So my team, I coached basketball along with Jesse Buss, who was Jesse Buss, one of the Lakers owners. So his son, Jaden, my son, MJ, they're kind of like our one-two punch on our basketball team that hasn't lost a game in three years. Let me stop. Wow. All right, so we're doing pretty well so far. So good. Let me stop. Um, so we always take the kids up to the facility. They're amazed when they see LeBron's shoes and AD shoes and just playing around. Um, but when you're there, you're just flooded with all the Kobe images, Shaquille O'Neal images, and, and all the other greats. They could have existed under the Lakers brand and continued to rip off championship at the championship. But what started to happen was L.A. is we are before social media in terms of attention is currency. Mm-hmm. Like you could be famous in L.A. and got five dollars to your name. But guess what? That feels like you got high value. So they start playing the fame game on Kobe and Shaquille O'Neal. Basically, mm-hmm. whose team is it? And it was weird because. Well, obviously, wasn't it Shaq's team? He's the most dominant force. He's the finals MVP. The older, he's he the guy. Yeah, right. But then Kobe, right, but Kobe's drafted to this team where he's traded to this team. And Kobe's like, okay, can I get mine? Can y'all say my name first, not just Shaq and Kobe? Can you say Kobe and Shaq? No? Okay. Well, can it be, well, I'm on the same level because you see me coming. And it was always perceived in attention that it was Shaq and then Kobe. Right. Well, imagine if you're, as you would say, Charles, the number three player of all time. You didn't say Shaq was top three. You said Kobe. So imagine that dude is sitting there looking like everybody keeps talking about this dude. He good. He great. But he ain't working like me. Mm. He probably ain't better than me if y'all let me shine. Mm. And that's what happened. Kobe, the drive of Kobe and the fact that Shaq could casually go out there and still own the court was just too much, man. It was oil and water. It was two different styles that weren't going to complement each other off the court more than it did on the court. So it came to a head. A lot of beefs. That's why every rap group breaks up. Who right. getting the most shine? Right, <laughs> it's right, the right, same right, stuff. Right. And Shaq got way too much more shine, way more shine than Kobe. I appreciate the story. Um, now that we're on Kobe, I want to segue. Kobe was a hard worker. You know, he played 75-plus mm-hmm. games, God knows how many years. A guy that would leave it all on the floor. Um, I look at the current state of the NBA today. There was a new rule that the NBA put in place, I'm sure you heard about, this new 65-game rule, which says that in order for you to be eligible for certain postseason awards like all NBA, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, blah, 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 you need to play a minimum of 65 games, this is according to Athletic, with a minimum of 20 minutes in those games. NBA players are not hollering and screaming and this and this and this is unfair. Joel Embiid gets injured. He's out of the conversation. Given that we just finished talking about Kobe, you said LeBron is one of the top three, the greatest player of all time. He's an Iron Man. He's somebody that shows up when he's mm-hmm. healthy. He's going to play. He did that for 15-plus years. What do you think about players today complaining about a rule that was created because they were sitting out games when they were perfectly healthy, and then they agreed to it in a new CBA? What do you think about players complaining about this rule? 
God, I hope I can say this concisely where people could understand. Um, we know these players are complaining now because we know the players of yesterday didn't complain. Now, mm, mm. they actually did complain, but they didn't have the same outlets. They didn't have the same type of compensation. They didn't have the same levels of options. Mm. So what we now look at and what we now hear is something that we didn't hear before, but was still being said. And so we give all the praise to granddaddy and them because they had to go up the hill both ways, you know, granddaddy and them who had to sledge through all the troubles. And then we look at the kid who has it easier, but still achieving. And we say, nah, you can't be the same as him. They're tougher. They're better right. because they had it harder. That's just not how the world spins. Um, I will say this, that the NBA is in a pickle and they know it. Uh, to to mandate 65 games in 20 minutes is now caught up to them because they're already seeing a potential MVP suffer from the same right. rule that's supposed to make the game bigger and greater, not hurt the game in terms of taking down one of its stars, one of its poster kids in terms of what they try to market. But this is the thing about it. If you look at this world, and it's the same thing with the NBA, that Perfect is the enemy of good. We all know that. So we're not going to have a perfect system. And there are no solutions, just trade-offs. So they try to solve how we going to motivate players to go out right. there and play all these games. You can't. Oh, guess what? You end up doing a trade-off. So now by you trying to say, basically they were thinking players, y'all don't want to play. Players, y'all taking these games off. And you know you could if you were tough like yesterday's players. And the players are like, eh, some of us maybe, but most of us, nah. I'm hurt, bro. It's just <laughs> that simple. And now it's caught up to him because a big dog is going to suffer. And he ain't the only one. It's going to start sniping more and more of these great players. So what does the NBA do? What's the solution? Where, where do we go? I mean, they can't turn around and just say, well, okay, we scrapped the rule because Adam Silvers and these guys are going to look ridiculous if they did that so do you think that the players have to find a way to just adapt to this new rule and just move on or wait and wait for the next cba I, yeah i look i think the nba allowed this to become too loud of a narrative mm. um I, I think i think that they got themselves caught up in pandering and trying to say yeah we're listening to our fan response so now mm. look you look at it, 82 games is too much for these guys to play in the back-to-back -back schedule, and sometimes it gets really intense when, you know, seven games in 10 nights, et cetera. You've seen that before. Um, they looked at it from the wrong perspective. You should have looked at it. If I'm running the NBA, I'd simply say casualties of war. This is what happens. You go to battle 82 times, guys are going to miss some games. And then the fan response, the way you deal with it is either you give an incentive package to these fans, you figure out some kind of, well, okay, here's a little compensation if a star doesn't go here or there, reduce ticket prices, et cetera. No money needs to be exchanged. You just kick back to the fans a little bit. They got the money to do it. They got the opportunities to do it. Instead of saying, no, we're going to change our rules and force our players to do something that they can't do physically because we think the fans are getting robbed on some of these big games. The craziest thing is this is all about the TV ratings and the TV companies complaining. They're like, dog, we got y'all on big game national TV. And, and no so one this. Like, you know, 
And then they put it on the fans. Like, the fans, no, it ain't the fans. It's 20,000 people at the game. It's us at home watching, like, oh, man, I don't want to see this. But how many times has anybody ever went to a game, saw a star not playing, and don't watch? You stay. You're going to stay. You stay, yeah, right? Yeah, so so those people stop acting like it's them. And then the ones at home, I watch games like it's wallpaper. I mean, it's rare that it's a game where I'm like, shut up. No, MJ. No, I'm not getting my kids nothing to eat. <laughs> like, it, like, how many games is that? I think they blaming these fans because they got – Pinched by them TV networks who told them this ain't what we bought, this ain't what we signed up for. Y'all better fix it. They overcorrected it to me. Okay, so let me play the devil's advocate real quick, and then, and then we close out uh, with uh, a few more questions. You played in the NFL. You were mm -hmm. all pro, a uh, pro, uh, pro player. What if you then, as somebody that played in the NFL, you're watching NFL players today say, "Man, listen, this league is really tough." Um, I know we're playing these amount of games, but I think that the, the, the workload is too much. I think that you should lower the requirements of games. I don't know if this exists in the NFL. Just make an example and say, in order for you to make all pro, the all pro bowl team or be qualified for MVP, I think you should only play 10 games and still qualify as someone who played in the NFL, who had to go through the system. Then are you still in support of these guys? Um, I'm in support of the players. I really don't think it's as many players as people think okay, are tapping out. Okay, okay. I think, you know, like people really, I think there's a general conception that they're tapping out. No, what they're trying to do is manage the short and long term of their behavior, of their health, of their career, right? You can go out there and play ball. I play ball on a broken foot. And wow. I had surgery. They told me it was going to take eight weeks. I came back in two weeks. Fans love me for that, right? Oh, wow. look at him. He's all in, courageous, smart. Oh, this dude, he is what we need. He is the one that's focused, <laughs> determined. Funny, you know what happened? <laughs> My body started breaking down years after that. You know, the uh, next year, I had another injury. What was that? My abdominal wall. Why? Because of compensation from running on one leg. Then the next year, what happens? Another injury, right? I had the back surgery first. So you got to understand, you only got one career. How do you manage it? And people don't want to respect players for managing uh, their careers. That perspective, okay. You got to. If not, you're going to burn through it. You got an injury. You want to play through it to appease the fans and the team. Okay. And then when they use you up, Isaiah Thomas, remember him? Yep, they yep, use yep, you up and yep. you hurt when it's money time. Yep, I remember that. Who's there for you? Fans? Teammates, that. owners, nobody. So there's a balancing act that has to happen. And I don't like when I don't like when the people out there start to put the narrative in the wrong place. Stop blaming fans because fans don't like it, but they can deal with it. Stop blaming players because players are trying, even though they got to understand players ain't going to play through all stuff because you shouldn't. It's going to affect you. It's going to cause compensation. You'll be injured later instead of just healing now. Gotcha. It's the TV networks. It's gotcha. the money. It's all, Follow the money all the time. You're going to find where it's at. It's just the money play that they're trying to make sure that they escape the conversation and the real talk. Let me get you out here on two questions. You spoke about TV networks. I'm sure you've heard the numbers that uh, ESPN First Take, for example, ESPN General, ESPN First Take has really been dominating the ratings, especially against Undisputed. Uh, they've been doing very well with Shannon and these guys over there. And I, uh, during d d when the story 
came out that uh, Shannon Sharp was going to be leaving and they were going to be bringing in this new talent, Rachel Nichols and all of that. I thought of someone, mm. one of your former partners in Max Kellerman. I'm like, well, Max Kellerman would be, would be great on one of these shows. He's he's great. He had his own show. He has he has experience doing a show like this, a morning show like this. With some of the struggles in terms of ratings, especially on, on, on Undisputed, what do you think about, and I'm not talk, saying to talk about Max, Max Kellerman's business or anything like that. What do you think about hmm. FS1 potentially going after Max Kellerman to bring him into the fold? Because I think he is immensely talented. Just to get your thoughts on that, just something I thought of. Oh, he is a talent. Come on now. Uh, Max got that gift of gab. Max is going to take it there. Max is going to go not toe the line, past the line, and actually convince you to come with him because <laughs> he's so intelligent. I mean, I got nothing but love for the way he does his thing. Um, that said, I think what's happening is we're trying to close the gap between first take and what they're doing and what Undisputed is doing. And we're not looking at it the correct way. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I don't think they closed that gap. I, I really don't. I think with Skip Bayless as the head of that show, they won't close that gap. It's kind of oh, like wow. how the Lakers are feeling right now with LeBron James being 40 at that age. You got to you gotta dress it up differently, right? Right, right, right. So right, right. just go with me here in terms of energy of the show. When I look at first take, I look at first take and not only is it constructed differently in terms of energy, but everybody on first take, I, I look at like machine guns. They go, K -k 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 -k. they just keep spitting. Like Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, like just da, 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 da. And then you just, just in that same example, think about Undisputed. And you see Skip Bayless, and he, you know, he's building up. Right, 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 right. He just drops like one bomb or two, you know. And then you look at a Keyshawn, he he not that, 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 that. he's like right. then Richard Sherman, he he's a little more of it, but it's semi-automatic. So it's like <laughs> we are not in that we are not in that era anymore. Like Skip Bayless literally is back to the basket. He's half-court uh, offense. Like it's just now the pace of play is so different. You gotta you gotta get those dudes who are spitting it. And they all have great qualities, but I think that we have a different energy in terms of how the viewer wants it now. And they're not doing that over there at Undisputed. And that's their style of play is not the style of play of first take. And by viewer response, people want what first take is giving them that rapid fire. So, so, so that's why I think that Max Kellerman would be, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just maybe just looking at it from somebody that liked Max, watched him a lot. We're just thinking, oh, who knows? Maybe they should, uh, you know, get him on there. I don't know. I don't know. Just something I was just. Uh... Yeah, but then what do you do with Skip? Because like. No, no, no. Maybe not. It's on, like maybe not. They put Skip in the moderator role. He Just maybe mm -hmm. the network in general. FS1. I don't know. I was just thinking about Max. Oh, and, oh. Yeah, yeah. He just, he just, he just, came, oh, yeah. he just came to my mind. My final question. And this, yeah, yeah. This, a new, this, uh, this, one, this one just kind of came out of nowhere, but I want to get your thoughts on it. So yesterday there was the Grammys. Um, and I didn't watch it because for obvious, I didn't watch it, but I woke up this morning and I saw you, you laughing cause you know why I didn't watch it. But anyway, I woke up this morning and, uh, I saw there's this clip going viral of Jay-Z accepting this, uh, accepting a, a, an award. So he goes up there, he's mm -hmm. with his daughter, he accepts the award, he's thanking the Academy and, or the, the, yeah, the, the Grammys. And then he goes on to say, you know, he just finds it to be weird that 
his wife, Beyonce, is the most decorated artist in terms of Grammy. She's won the most ever, but she's never won album of the year. And I don't want to say he was chastising the Grammys, but he kind of he kind of was. Mm -hmm. What do you what are your general thoughts on what Jay-Z had to say to the Grammys on that stage? Do you think it was inbound? Do you think it was out of bound? Do you think he should have said it on another platform? Or last night was the perfect time to say it? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, last night's the perfect time to say it if you want the most attention for what you're saying. And he got the most attention out of it. Like, you're supposed to be complimentary in those moments. So we all know when you go up there and you say anything against the grain, oh, it's going to be viral. So especially when you're Jay-Z yeah. and you're there with your daughter, obviously, Blue Ivy. So um, I, what I thought about at first, no lie, the athlete in me was like, so he's basically saying, how does she win all these games and never win the championship? Right. And I, I kind of looked at it in that way. And I was like, well, that happens. <laughs> like, like, that ain't nobody's fault, but that happens. Right, right. Um, so that was my first thought. But then Jay-Z is smarter than that. Right. right. There's a different play here. Um, this is a power play. This is something that goes beyond. She just needs to get another Grammy in this category. I think what he's trying to do, let me. I know Jay-Z, but we don't talk like this. Let me just say this. When I see him in school <laughs> and them, we, hey, what's up? Ball, stuff like that. Real <laughs> life. We ain't talking about Grammy power plays. But uh, I would say, let me just guess, and I hope I'm wrong and he checks me on it, but maybe I'm right. I think that Jay-Z, where he is in his life and his level of power is trying to maybe shift the power away from the Grammys and how they're the end-all, be-all. And maybe he's thinking through how to design something else that could potentially rival the Grammys or gives these artists enough credit where they don't have to just rely on the Grammys so that they can move up. I think Jay-Z might be building some infrastructure, building some kind of entity where it's going to be recognized. He's shifting. You remember he did title. Right, right. And title worked or didn't work. I don't know. He got paid off. He got it, paid off, yeah. It, you know, he went at Apple. Yep. Sucker there. Yep. So he might be going at the Grammys if y'all really want to look through it and try to do something for these artists in a different way. Yeah, no, it was um, it was definitely bold. I was I watched it in its entire I mean, he he spoke. I mean, he spoke. Like he wasn't up there shaking or nothing. He spoke as I think his hand was in his pocket. He was cracking jokes. Uh, he definitely got, yeah, man, that's, maybe that's that Billy, that Billy lifestyle got you feeling comfortable like that. But, um, uh, it was, I, I just, part. I just wanted to get your take on that. But anyway, Marcellus, man, I know you're a very busy man. Uh, we want to thank you for coming on our show today. We look forward to having you later this week. We're yes. going to make sure everything is all right, uh, by, by that time again. But, um, thank you so much for being on this show. He know why he laughing. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. It was a pleasure. Do they know? No. <laughs> I appreciate it. Do they know? I'm going to tell them next show. No, 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 please. please, please. You, got that, you got that Y. Your Wi-Fi ain't W-I, it's W-H-Y. Wi-Fi. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Happy on the good one. Happy on the next one. Have a good one, man. Have a good one. Thank you.